Hello and welcome to the Weekly General Meeting Podcast. We're up to episode 8 and we've got a cracker of a show all lined up and ready to go. I'm Shane Langan and this is Neil Conlon. On this week's show, James Moran talks to some cats, Alan Bennett gets a scare, Delorento's perform and artist Mick Minogue gives us his top 5 tips. This week's show is sponsored by Independence Music and Arts Festival, August 1st, 2nd and 3rd in Mitchellstown, County Cork. Tickets are available from tickets.ie. Now let's see how many of this year's independence acts I can say in the time allotted left for this ad. White Lies, Tom O'Dell, Public Enemy, Hosier, De Laurentos, Damien Dempsey, Fun Loving Criminals, Dallin Sack vs. Scroobius Pip, David Holmes, Walking on Cars, The Sultans of Paying the Minutes, Dan Kroll, and we're out of time. But you get the idea. Visit independencefestival.com for the full, unlimited details. We begin with a performance by my co-host Shane Langan. Since we began running our general meeting live nights two years ago, Pretty much every show, Shane has performed a story about his jack-of-all-trades adventure hero, John Garrison. This week, Garrison infiltrates the mob. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much, Neil, for that. Uh, I am Shane Langan, and uh, and tonight I'm going to read you uh, a little mini-adventure. Uh, that I've written, and uh, it's called Donny Garrison. Falazzo exploded into the room, practically reducing the door to firewood. He was angry, real angry, and he wasn't shy about showing it. They knew we were coming. How the heck did they flipping know we were coming? Polly and Donny followed their boss in, nursing bruises, gashes and gunshot wounds, but fearing worse was still to come from a furious falazzo. How the heck did they know, huh? Any of you bloody silly billies care to enlighten me as to how the police knew we were coming? Falazzo was doing remarkably well to stick to his Lenten promise to give up swearing. (laughs) But don't let this fool you, he was really, really mad. (laughs) Maybe one of you guys is a fink. Falazzo drew his gun. Take it easy, boss. Polly waved his palms at Falazzo. Yeah, it makes sense, don't it? How else they gonna know what bank we about to boost, huh? Coincidence? Offered Polly, turning pale. Reach for the sky, growled Falazzo. Both of you. Polly and Donny made a collective gulp sound, sort of gulp in stereo. Again. (laughs) So, which one is it? Which one of you wise guys is the rat? Come on, boss, I, I've known you since I was a little kid, pleaded Polly. We used to go to ball games together. You're, you're my son's godfather. I, I gave you that kidney that time. I mean, you weren't even ill, come on. <laughs> Falazzo thought about it and nodded. I mean, boss, what do we know about this guy, huh? He only joined the family a week ago. His mustache keeps falling off. <laughs> and the guy keeps getting Italian things wrong. I mean, how can you mispronounce pizza? <laughs> it's gotta be him. Falazzo was looking convinced. Well, what do you gotta say for yourself, Donny? Donny cleared his throat. <clears> throat> uh, what, what he's saying is, is true, boss. Uh, yes, I, I did join the family after winning that cereal box competition. I still don't remember running that. Yes, and my mustache does slip off occasionally, but I do have oily skin. Uh, and yes, I did accidentally call it pizza. Guilty as charged. But I'm not a rat. Huh? I mean, listen, what do we know about this guy, yeah? Uh, Sure you've known him since he was uh, knee-high to a a camolo? 
Uh, but uh, we, we don't know the first thing about him, do we? Like what? growled Falazzo. Well, well, for instance, his favorite song. How can we truly know a man who consistently withholds details about his personal life? Okay, Polly, what's your favorite song? sighed Falazzo. Fields of Gold by Sting, <laughs> Polly proudly proclaimed. Well, there you have it, just as I suspected. Donnie folded his arms conclusively. What are you talking about, Donnie? Falazzo was growing impatient. Well, um, is, isn't that what the cops call an undercover operation, a sting? <laughs> I, I mean, coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> How could that possibly mean anything? Polly laughed. And, and, and didn't Sting used to be in a band called The Police? <laughs> I mean, that's an awful lot of coincidences, boss. Sounds to me like anyone listening to Fields of Gold is probably taking part in a sting on behalf of the police. <laughs> maybe it was the compelling argument, or maybe it was that Falazzo hadn't eaten in several hours and was desperate to get this interrogation over with, but he seemed to be swayed. Polly turned properly pale. Oh, wait, boss, no, please, bang! <laughs> Polly slumped to the floor, very dead. Good work, kid. You'll be a made man. Oh, your uh, mustache is... Uh... Oh, right, thanks. Following Polly's execution, John Garrison spent another six years infiltrating the Falazzo family. His testimony led to the indictment of over 300 mobsters. He celebrated success with a delicious glass of Chianti. Thank you. Alan Bennett is one of the most respected English writers of his generation, responsible for works such as The History Boys, Talking Heads and The Madness of King George. But that's not the Alan Bennett we're talking about here. Our Alan is the curator of the fantastic-headstuff.org, a website featuring all sorts of articles and stories on all sorts of fascinating subjects. He's a ridiculously lovely and talented young writer from Gildare. He's also a regular at our live nights, and recently he told us a very personal story. So I'm going to read this thing. Uh, it's, um, it's a piece of writing, and it's, it doesn't have a title. So well, Let's call it the nerves. Um, okay. You know the kind of irrational nerves you get when you see the car in the rearview mirror take three or four of the same turns as you? You don't really think it's following you. You're not worried. Why would anyone follow you? You haven't done anything wrong, or you haven't done anything so right that they'd want something from you. You know really that they're not following you. It's just a coincidence. They're just going the same way as you. Sure, loads of people go that way. But then, they are taking the same turns. They keep following you, or not following you. It is a black car, though, and it's fancy too. Exactly the kind a spy or an assassin or a drug lord might have. Why is someone who owns a car like that coming this way? I don't live in a fancy area. You know these kinds of irrational nerves? The ones that you don't really worry about, but you do think about? The ones that you can't tell anyone about because it's weird, and if you're wrong, everyone will think you're foolish and neurotic and paranoid. The ones that you have to keep to yourself and just see what happens, wait for it to go away or to get better. You know those kinds of nerves. Those are the kinds of nerves I had when I found a lump on my left testicle. 
You know what I mean, though? When a car just seems to be making every move you make, it seems that the indicator behind you never makes a call until you've already committed to a turn or a veer or continued straight. It's preposterous, you think. Why on earth would anyone ever want to follow you? It's preposterous, you think. You've never smoked or drank a day in your life. You're active, you eat well. But a month later, the lump is still following you, still clutching to that left testicle, and the doctor doesn't say, there's nothing to worry about. No. The doctor says, hmm, and continues to handle your scrotum. Then he says, yes, we better get that checked out. You try and pick out discerning features about the car behind you. You get your phone ready, have it unlocked on your lap in case you need to make an emergency call. You're booked in for an ultrasound. It's painless, you're told, but you have to wait two months for the exam, and that's not quite painless. You think to yourself, I'll go all the way around a roundabout, and if I'm still being followed, then I'm definitely being followed. If the car comes all the way around the roundabout with me, then I'll hot-tail to the police station. I'll park on the path outside the door and run in screaming, I'm being followed. But just before you do this, the car behind you turns off in a different direction. The week before the ultrasound, you can't find the lump anymore. Or was it on the right testicle? It's not on either. It's gone. You don't cancel the ultrasound because really, you've no idea if losing the lump is a good thing or a bad thing. Thanks. Last week when we featured my comedy group Died of Worms, you may have noticed that Neil did all the links on the show. And now that we're about to play you a performance from Neil's band De Laurentos, you'll notice that it's me who's introducing it. Uh, we find that not personally introducing ourselves onto the show lessens the impression that we've gotten extremely lazy with our booking policy. Nevertheless, Dublin band De Laurentos were the recipients of the 2013 Choice Music Prize for their excellent album Little Sparks, and my friendship with Neil aside, they're one of my absolute favourite bands. This is De Laurentos with a stream. The walls are tied into the soul No light to guide or let me know and the sea will never let me go just hold me and crush me and take control but you say that and walk out when you don't know the half of the things that i've been through even though i love you you're a Cry 
to describe our next guest well we've had him on the bill at our live night several times now and we're still not entirely sure his name is James Moran he's a writer and performer who thoroughly delights and entertains mainly through the medium of bamboozlement we think he's absolutely fantastic this is James Moran Um, when I found out that this was going to be recorded, I wrote an introduction for myself, uh, a visual aid. <clears throat> Having strikingly arriven at the stage, a striking six foot tall, approximately, James Moran, his striking features capture the audience's attention in the most striking uh, manner. Uh, James Moran, everybody. Um, there was a, a day recently where I was, uh, or the nature of the day was warm. So I went to the seaside, um, and I, you know, you you walk the length of it. It was Dolly Mount Strand, uh, and as I proceeded along, I ran into these. Um, they were 
three groups of seven cats and another cat, right? Uh, so, you know, I initiated interaction and I said, good day. Um, uh, you know, would it be okay if I were to y use this uh, knife I have on my person to skin you all, <laughs> right? And of course they go, no. Uh, and I go, well, there's more than one way to skin a cat. <clears throat> uh, they didn't find it funny. Uh, very offensive, they said. So uh, uh, earlier that day, uh, I'd been walking along the same beach about 500 yards, you know, behind me, where I currently was. Uh, and I see this object, right? And it's, it's oblong, uh, made out of brass. Um, it looks sort of like a teapot. And I pick it up and I give it a rub, right? And this fella comes out and he, uh, he goes, uh, thanks for rubbing the lamp. And I go, it's not like any lamp I've ever seen. And he just goes, just leave it. <laughs> it's fine, just leave it. Uh, anyway, so he was wearing this, it was a, a garb, and it was quite uh, unusual. And he goes, well, you see, you rub my lamp, I'm a genie, that's why I came out. And I, just very quickly off the top of my head, I said, so you're a seersucker suitsayer, right? He thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I did too. Uh, we had a great laugh about it. Uh, you know, a couple of minutes later he goes, I'll have to write that one down. Um, uh, and then he's going, in a, in a while, you'll be running into these three groups of seven cats and another cat, right? Uh, foreshadowing is what that was. Uh, okay, so, so far, just for the chronology of it, we have the genie, right? Then we have the cats, okay? And now we're going to meet the cats again, okay? It's genie, cats, cats. That's the structure of the story. Um, so I run into these three groups of seven cats and another cat, and I, uh, they come up to me and go, we met this very strange fella. Uh, he was wearing this very, um, this very unusual outfit, and I was going, oh, is it old-fashioned? Because uh, I don't think you guys got that, but seersucker is a type of suit that was popular in the 70s. So when I said seersucker suit sere, it was quite funny because it, uh, it was referring to the outfit he was wearing and his uh, supernatural abilities. Uh, but they didn't realize that. They go, no, it was modern. It was very modern as a suit because cats don't really have a sense of time <laughs> as a rule. Uh, so they were just thinking, I wonder where I could buy that now, uh, presently, you know? And I go, no, you can't buy that anymore, it's from the past. And they were just going, no, nah, what? Where's that? Uh, I just, I, I go past it, you know? I don't want to explain the nature of time to, you know, three groups of seven cats, another cat. So I just go, never mind, it's foreign. And they go, oh, don't like that. <laughs> uh, you know, because you can't tell a racist until they open their mouth. 
anyway, they go, um, James, uh, anyway, the fella said to us, if we don't take you up on your kind offer of skinning us with uh, a knife, he's going to skin us with uh, a very sharp rock. <laughs> and you know, I was just having a really good day. And they were just, you know, they're just rolling off your mouth, uh, the one-liners. And so I pause for a dramatic effect, and I go, well, I guess that's what you'd have to call a Cats 22. Our final guest is Mick Minogue, a visual artist from Kilkenny who has been commissioned by the likes of Edgar Wright and Judd Apatow in the past. Mick works in many different mediums and on many different subjects, but he's probably best known for his wood carvings depicting characters from pop culture, perhaps best illustrated in the beautiful life-size Lionel Richie he installed in a Dublin phone box in 2012. We'll include a link to a photo in this episode's description in case you haven't seen it already. This is Mick Minogue with his short and sharp top five tips. I'd say for any kind of artist or illustrator or I guess any creative, you know, I think do what you do every day. I know that sounds quite obvious, but like if you're an illustrator, draw every day. Even on those most stressful days where you're going to the bank or you're doing something that you're not working, I mean, sit in the bank queue and have a sketchbook in your pocket and, and doodle, you know, look around and can always observe and definitely draw every day. Where I am in, in the whole art game now, I'd say make, make mistakes. Make loads of mistakes and uh, never feel bad about mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes and they're on things of like, you know, spending um, half a year thinking you're, you're doing the right thing or you're, you're really liking this. Um, and then realising, oh wait, no, this is not for me at all. And then you feel like you've wasted half a year, you haven't, because you had to make that mistake to move on to the next thing. So every time you make a mistake, always make it, always make, or let yourself feel that it's for a reason, you know? It had to be done. Um, it's the chaos theory in sense, I guess, and it works with every artist or any creative. So definitely make mistakes. Not on purpose, but you know what I mean? Never be too totally over-influenced by something because like, now in our internet age like, we are just flooded with everything and anything and it's so hard not to be overly influenced by something. Especially as an illustrator, you see a style that you like, um, obviously never rip it off. You, know, you can take elements, you can take kind of aspects, but you know, never be completely over-influenced. Like something and let that be it uh, and move on. And I think that's how kind of style maybe develops over a while. You eventually, uh, I used to get really, really frustrated with my style, with what, I, what kind of artwork I made. Um, like, prime example is this kind of stuff. There's a Bill Murray, it's kind of like that. He's not totally realistic, he's a little bit cartoony. And then you've got this Breaking Bad piece, and it's a little bit more realistic. So it's kind of two different kind of styles. That shit keeps me up at night. It's so nerdy, but it's killer. So I started to kind of look for token things that I quite like and it will always, no matter what style I do or what way I draw, it will always be a token. And one of them of late is definitely like tiny pink noses. Just keeping slight little bit of pink on noses and everyone kind of goes like, oh yeah, what's with the whiskey nose? Yes, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, never be too overly influenced. 
um, and eventually your style will, will kind of appear. You know? Money. Uh, or like when you when you start out and you start uh, getting into kind of a creative industry like illustration or being an illustrator or a visual artist like I am, it's always poor from the start. And anyone starting out, just know that. And when I mean the start, I mean the first five years. And that's okay. It's just going to be. It's, you've got to. You've got to go roll with the punches. Um, you'll appreciate money a lot more uh, doing something like I do because when you have it, you really cherish it and you, you'll, you'll work it well. Um, I think never get up in the morning and start working just for the money. Always get up working for what you want to do. And always, even if you're really poor, just be happy to know that you're gonna go into uh, your little room and make something that no one else has ever made and it's completely yours but you probably won't eat lunch that day. But that's completely fine because you've just done something that's even more than that, you know. It's a kind of a little sacrifice. But know that by doing that, you eventually will have the greatest lunch ever. Because if you just keep on doing the same thing, you eventually will do really well. So never just work for the money. I think I've seen people before, and artists that I've loved, eventually just fall into the money trap. Um, I can't wait to get into the money trap because when they make all that money, I'm gonna be like, this is gonna be so great. But um, yeah, at the start, just continue, just work it poor and do it for the love of the art and the love of the craft. And don't worry about the money at the start, you know. You will have money worries, but just don't worry too much. One bit of advice I've definitely kind of gotten off people over the last while, art kind of someone's snuck into me, is, um, is humour. Is always have a good wit about everything you do. Um, it's, it's, no matter how serious your work is, it's always good to sneak in a bit of humour um, and always have fun with it. It seems like a really obvious thing to say is like, you know, continue, always have fun with your work and, you know, but um, if you do, it makes everything better because if a job goes sour and it doesn't work out and it fails on you after you've worked, you know, for four months on it or something, um, and then it, it's just gone, you have to have good humour about it because otherwise you won't want to do another job or you won't want to take something else on. So um, if you have good humour whilst doing it and if it comes to an end, you'll have a good way about it. So humour would be a really good thing to do in the creative field, I think. Yeah. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. This is the part of the show where we ask you to go onto iTunes, rate, subscribe and comment and then go and tell all your friends about how great the show is because it will help us keep the podcast going. So if you are enjoying the shows, please, please do one or all of those things if you haven't already. It'll really help us bring you all the fabulous guests and performers that a wonderful, kind person like yourself deserves. If you have a business and you think that you might maybe like to sponsor the podcast, Give us an email on theweeklygm at gmail.com and we'll let you know just how surprisingly cheap it is. Thanks to our guests this week, Alan Bennett, James Moran, Delorentos and Mick Minogue. Thanks also to Ross McCormick for all his help on recording and mixing. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, theweeklygm, at and slash respectively. We'll be back next week with episode nine. Chat to you then. <laughs>